Welcome to this special premiere event on Power of the Cross Radio. You are about to hear a recording from the 1989 Mississippi Church of God State Camp Meeting. The minster preaching is Dr. Mark Williams. This powerful sermon will certainly be a blessing to you. Now, here is Brother Williams with a message about the power of the Spirit. I want to direct your attention into the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. We have one of the greatest and most powerful prayers that you'll find any place in the Word of God. Prayed by the Apostle Paul, beginning with verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 1. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love toward all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in our prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and might and dominions and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and hath gave him to be head over all things to his church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now I want to particularly zero in on verses 19, 20, and 21. When he said the exceeding greatness of his power. And then he said according to the working of his mighty power. And then in that verse 21, far above all principality and power. And I want to talk to you tonight about living in the power of the Holy Spirit. First, the definition of power. Second, the dimensions of power. And thirdly, the purpose of power. Now, what do we really mean when we talk about living in the power of the Spirit? You know, Jesus Christ told the Sadducees in Matthew 22 and 29 that ye do err not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. You know, there are a lot of people that do not know the power of God. And a lot of people don't understand the power of the Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit has been called by some as the unknown person of the Godhead. In fact, some people, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, they say that he is nothing more than a nebulous spirit or a ghost or an aberration which cannot be touched 
But you see, the Holy Ghost is a person. Just as God the Father and God the Son, He is God the Holy Ghost. And the power for successful Christian living, in fact, the power for effective ministry, is resident in the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is in you. You see, God wants you to understand about His Spirit. He said in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. And that word spiritual gifts there literally means things that pertain to the Spirit. Those things that pertain to the Spirit. I don't want you to be ignorant. In fact, here in Ephesians, the first chapter, Paul's prayer was for the Ephesian believers and for all of us to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power. Now, as you know, the New Testament was written in the Greek language. In fact, the Septuagint version of the Bible was also written in Greek. And in the Greek language, there are five words that can be translated power. There is the word dunamis, which all of us in Pentecost are familiar with. Dunamis meaning the divine ability to achieve is able to perform the power to accomplish. The second word is the word energeia, which literally means released power or power in motion. We get the word energy from that word energeia. The third word is the word kratos, which literally means dominion or strength or rule. The fourth word is the word iscus, which means power that comes by virtue of office. For instance, when Dr. Jenkins accepted the appointment as state overseer, by his accepting that office, he was granted certain powers that were carried with that office. And the fifth word is the word exousia, which means the authority or the right to act. Now, the reason that I bring those words to your attention tonight is because here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, when Paul is attempting to describe the power that is available to the Christian, he uses not one, not two, not three, but all five of these words to describe the power that was available. He said that first word power, the exceeding greatness of his power. That's the word dunamis. According to the working, that's the word energeia, of his mighty, that's the word kratos, and power, that's the word iscus. And in verse 21, when he said, far above all principality and power, that's the word exousia. So when you realize all of these different kinds of power and read the scripture in the light of that knowledge, it seems that Paul is saying that available to you and available to me in the Holy Spirit is power upon top of power upon top of power upon top of power until it crescendos to an explosion in your own heart and then to describe this power and to illustrate this power he said it was this power that God used when he raised up Jesus from the dead you see the Bible said that he's declared to be the son of God by the spirit of holiness and in 1 Peter 3 and 8, 18 he said that he was put to death in the flesh but quickened or made alive by the spirit and in Romans 8 and 11 if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you then he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit. Oh. Oh. 
So when I talk about living in the power of the Spirit, we are really talking about a power for life, a power for living, a power for successful ministry, a power for service. Now, what are the dimensions of this power? When you go through the Word of God and you look up the word power, there are at least 262 verses where the word power is used at least one time. And there are 272 references to power. So when you take all of those verses out and you line them up side by side, you basically understand that there are three dimensions to power. The first dimension is a theological dimension. The second one is a practical dimension. And the third one is a personal dimension. Now what do you mean by a theological dimension? By theological dimension, I simply mean that God is the source. You see, the power that we have as believers, the power that God grants us, is not ours in the sense that we lord over it, or that we master it, or that we own it. It is His power. It is His Spirit. The Bible said in Psalm 62 and 11 that God hath spoken once, yea, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. It is His power. And again in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You see, I want to make this perfectly clear because we've got some people that are traveling around the country today who are trying to arrogate that power to themselves. And there's a doctrine in the land. A doctrine that says because Jesus Christ was manifested in the flesh and was the Son of God, therefore when we accept the Lord as our Savior, we are all manifested sons of God, and therefore we are all gods. And we're all little gods. In fact, I read one article where the guy said, just as dogs have puppies and cats have kittens, so God has little gods. And until you realize that you yourself are a God, you will never be able to manifest the kingdom of God. But you see, we are not gods. We don't command God. The power that we have is not ours. We're only channels through whom His power works. The Bible said it is God that worketh in us both to will and to do of his own good pleasure. For example, in Acts the third chapter, when Peter and John went down to the temple at the hour of prayer, there was a lame man whose ankle bones had no strength, who they lay at the gate called Beautiful. And when Peter and John walked up to them, they look, he looked upon Peter and John expecting to receive something of him. And when Peter saw him, he said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he reached out and lifted him up. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. Well, now, preacher, didn't it say there that Peter said he had the power that was his power? Didn't he say, such as I have give I thee? Yes, but he was not saying that in the sense that the power belonged to him. As a matter of fact, when the people all began to gather around Peter and John in Solomon's temple and the lame man was there holding on to Peter as though he had done the miracle, he looked at them and said, why look ye so earnestly upon us as though by our own power or our own spirit we have made this man whole? He said, the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham and of Jacob and Isaac hath glory 
sanctified his son Jesus. His name through faith in his name has made this man whole. Here were two Pentecostal preachers that God had worked a miracle through, but they refused to take the glory. Now I want to tell you why the power of God is stopped in a lot of churches. It's because we have refused to give God the glory. We've tried to rob God of the glory. God is going to work where he can be praised, where he can be glorified. Not unto us, O oh Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name be the glory for thy mercy's sake. When Paul went to Lystra and the man while he was preaching had faith to be healed and he rose up. The people gathered around Paul and wanted to put garland around his neck. But he wouldn't let him. He said, we are men of like passions as ye are. When Peter went to the house of Cornelius, they fell down to worship him. But he said, stand upright on thy feet. Oh, to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Can you raise your hand and say praise the Lord? We must never forget God is the source. That's the theological dimension. But you know, there's also a practical dimension to this business of power. And that simply means that when you, as a spirit-filled believer, or when we, as a spirit-filled church, encounter difficulty, encounter problems, the power of the Spirit will be there to meet the need that we have on a day-to-day basis. There was a first century historian by the name of Gibbon who wrote a book called The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. In that book, he began to look and examine that New Testament church. And he began to look how the church expanded and grew so rapidly across the Roman Empire. And he began to study what was it that made that New Testament church so attractive. One of the things he attributed their growth to was the fact that there was the evidences of the power of God in their services that caused desperate men and women to turn to the church who had needs and who had help. Now I want to tell you, there was a time when the church relied on the power of God. We depended upon the power of God. But we no longer depend upon His power. What we began in the flesh or began in the spirit, we're now trying to make perfect through the flesh. And we simply can't, my friends. When I went back through that book of Acts, I began to look and see how the power of God was demonstrated. Not every Sunday or not every other Wednesday, but every day the power of God was there meeting the needs of the church meeting the needs of the people in fact when you open up the very first chapter of the book of Acts and you read that introduction you realize that you are on the journey of a lifetime because in verse number eight of that first chapter he said ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You leave chapter 1 and walk into chapter 2. Suddenly you're sitting in an upper room. And the Holy Spirit blazes from the heavenly world and fills 120 believers. And before you leave that chapter 3 thousand people come to the Lord and accept them as their Savior and are added to the church. Why? Because of the power of the Lord. 
We leave chapter 2 and walk into chapter 3. The power hasn't stopped. Because there are two men, Peter and John, giving strength to a lame man in the name of Jesus. And he goes walking and leaping and praising God. You leave chapter 3 and walk into chapter 4. And persecution begins to come. But the power of God doesn't stop because of persecution. Instead, Peter stands up and preaches full of the Holy Spirit. And when he gets to the apex of his sermon, he says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We leave chapter 4 and walk into chapter 5. And the mood has shifted. Ananias and Sapphira have lied to the Holy Ghost. They are stricken dead. But all such fear and faith grip the hearts of the people. That they bring the people who are sick and lame and lay them out in the streets. So that the shadow of the disciples could touch them. And oh, they were healed and people with possessed of evil spirits. The spirit came out of them, cried with a loud voice. We leave chapter 5 and walk into chapter 6. And by now the power has expired. Exploded. The work is too great for the apostles to handle. Here comes the message. Look ye out among you seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. That we made a point over this business. Seven deacons were organized and ordained. And what was the result? The word of God increased. And the number of disciples was multiplied greatly. And a great company of priests became obedient to the faith. We leave chapter 6 and walk into chapter 7 and still more power. There's a man by the name of Stephen. We listen to him as he preaches his sermon. We watch him as he is stoned. But the power of God doesn't abandon a righteous man at death because he was able to look up and see Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father and said, Lord, receive my spirit. And he fell asleep. We leave chapter 7 and walk into chapter 8. We're now about one year after the day of Pentecost. And the power of God begins to spread. Philip goes down and preaches a revival at Samaria. The revival breaks out. Headquarters hears about it and sends two men down there, Peter and John, to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And in verse 17, Then laid they their hands upon them, and they received the Holy Ghost. We leave chapter 8 and walk into chapter 9 and more power. We meet a man by the name of Saul. Saul, a wicked man, the chiefest of sinners. Saul, a man that was consenting under the death of Christians. But oh, he has had an encounter with the Lord. And in verse 17, in walks Ananias. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way in which thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Suddenly the power of God is unleashed in a young man and his life will never be the same. He will become God's voice to the Gentiles throughout the world. We leave chapter 9 and walk into chapter 10 and the power of God has leaped over a racial barrier because there we see Peter down at the house of Cornelius, a Jew speaking to a group of Gentiles. But he comes preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. And as he preaches, the power falls. And suddenly all of the Gentiles there were filled with the Holy Ghost. While he yet spake the word, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. You leave chapter 10 and walk into chapter 11. And it takes most of chapter 11 to try to explain to the Judaizers what happened in chapter 10. But it's all an explanation of the power and the presence of the Lord. 
We leave chapter 11 and walk into chapter 12. And oh, the power continues to fall. But Herod is mad. He's killed James with a sword. He's got Peter in jail and intends to kill him the next day. But oh, the church doesn't fret. It didn't have any money. It didn't have any fame or popularity. But the church fell on its face and prayed. And what do you think happened? The power of God was unleashed. And Peter was released from prison as a testimony to the power of God. We leave chapter 12 and walk into chapter 13. But all oh, the power doesn't stop. Instead, the Holy Ghost begins to speak. And he said, separate unto me Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them. And all of a sudden, two missionaries are sent forth. And when they go on their first missionary journey in chapter 14, something interesting happens. Paul is there preaching in a town called Lystra. And as he is preaching, he perceives that a man there has faith to be healed. And he said, Stand upright on my feet. And the man leaped and walked. He was lame. He never had walked. Lame from his mother's womb. All of the city begins to rejoice. But then the Judaizers came in and they stirred up a stink. And before it was over with, they had Paul outside the city. They stoned him. They left him for dead. But we understand what happened later. Because Paul tells us at that time he was caught up to the third heaven. And began to see things that were unlawful for a man to utter. And the brethren gathered around his dead body and began to pray. And before it was over with, Paul's life was restored. He got up. He walked back into the city. And the message was unquenched. And the gospel was unbound and the power of God continue to fall. <laughs> but now it's time for chapter 15. And there we are introduced to a business meeting. And can the power fall in a business meeting? We're sitting now in the Jerusalem council. Here's the question. Should we cause all of these new Gentile converts to be circumcised? Or should we allow the Lord to do a fresh work? Well, here's the answer. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. Not to put a greater burden upon them. But to allow God do a fresh work. And the power even fell at a business meeting. We leave chapter 15 and walk into chapter 16. Power still there. Because there we hear Paul and we see him. As he receives that beautiful Macedonian vision. And on his way to Macedonia, he stops in Philippi. He stops long enough to exercise a demon out of a young girl. Well, they didn't like that either. They put Paul back in jail along with Silas. This time, they put him down in the inner dungeon. But before dawn the next morning, a revival has broken out. And all oh, they are free. They're walking around. Mr. Jailer, Mrs. Jailer, and all the little jailers get saved and converted before, before breakfast the next morning. And a brand new church is started there in Philippi. Because of the power of God. You leave chapter 16 and walk into chapter 17. And there is Paul on Mars Hill. And he begins to cross philosophical swords with the Athenians. And finally, he just steps back and says, Well, there is one God above all other gods. It's the power of the unknown God. It's the power of my God. We leave chapter 17 and walk into chapter 18. And there is a city, Corinth. 
Corinth, a lewd city, a wicked city, a city that was a sewer of a city. But there God begins to sprout the beautiful rose of Sharon. And before the chapter is through, Aquila and Priscilla come to the Lord and a brand new church is started there in Corinth. We leave chapter 18 and walk into chapter 19. Now 21 years following the day of Pentecost. But the power hasn't stopped. Because here goes Paul up to the coast of Ephesus. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? We've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Paul lays hands upon them. The Holy Ghost came upon them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. And we don't leave chapter 19 before we see a big book burning. Over 32,000 dollars worth of occult and witchcraft books are burned in the city of Ephesus because the power of God has prevailed. We walk into chapter 20 and we meet a man by the name of Eutychus. Eutychus and an event that I've always wanted to do but have never had the strength nor the courage to do it and that is to preach all night. Paul did. He had the strength and he had the courage and there never was a preacher like Paul. But as he was long preaching, Eutychus fell asleep. And I do mean fell. He fell out of the third loft. Down to the ground, broke his neck and they took him up for dead. Paul just called a time out. He walked over. Prayed for Eutychus. God brought him back to life. Just goes to show you good preaching never killed anybody. And the power of God continued to fall. (laughs) Chapter 21. There Paul is encountering problems. The people have decided we're going to kill Paul. We're not going to sleep until we have Paul's head. We go to chapter 22 and 23. Paul begins to defend the gospel and defend his life. We go to chapter 24. He faces his accusers. Chapter 25, he appeals to Caesar. Chapter 26, he speaks to King Agrippa. And his words were so scorching hot with fire that Agrippa said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian we go to chapter 27 and there Paul is put on a ship along with 275 other men they're going to Rome they encounter the Eurocladon winds a great storm begins to blow and they're lost 14 days and nights at sea but an angel appeared to Paul and said fear not Paul thou must be brought before Caesar and lo God hath given all them that sail with thee and some on board and some on broken pieces of the ship but it came to pass that all made it safely to land and the devil said if I can't kill him with a flood I'll kill him with a snake and so in chapter 28 Paul is warming his hands by the fire up jumps a snake and takes Paul by the hand Paul just shakes him off in the fire unhurt and unquenched because of the power of God The people gather around and say he must be a God. Paul said, I'm not a God, but he is God. And all of a sudden, Publius, the leader, the governor of the island comes and says, my father is laying sick with a fever. Paul goes, lays hands upon him, and God heals him. And when we leave the last chapter of Acts, the people are gathered around the island in a great healing line. And the power of God continues to fall. That's how it happened in that first century church. Not 
just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday, but whether in storms, whether in persecution, the power of God begins to fall. I want to tell you, he can fall in a business meeting. He can fall in a storm. He can fall when everything is going round. When the power of God comes, things begin to happen. You might be saying, well, that's all well and good, but I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. That comes to the personal dimension of this power. And that is you. Are you a, are you a preacher? Licensed preacher in the church? Not a preacher. You. As a spirit-filled believer, you don't have to go chasing some hot shot across the country wanting a miracle to happen. You, as a spirit-filled believer, if you have the Holy Ghost, when the difficulty comes, the spirit within you will rise up and meet that need. Man, help me preach for me. You know what? Here's what the Holy Spirit is saying. What do you need? Do you need mind gifts? I'll give you the word of wisdom. I'll give you the word of knowledge. I'll give you the discerning of spirits. What do you need? Do you need mouth gifts? I'll give you the gift of tongues. I'll give you the gift of prophecy. I'll give you the, the uh, uh, discerning of spirits. What do you need? Do you need might gifts? I'll give you the gift of faith. I'll give you the working of miracles. I'll give you the healing power of the Lord. Whatever you need tonight, the power of God can work in your life. Thank you for listening to Power of the Cross Radio. If you are enjoying the sermon you are hearing, we need your help. We do not sell any advertising on this station. You will not hear any third-party ads. This radio ministry operates by donations only. So, we need your prayers and financial gifts to keep bringing Christ and Him crucified to the world. Let God use you to keep Power of the Cross Radio going around the globe. Go right now to www.cross.radio and click on how you can help. There you can donate by secure means. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you. Now, back to the message. I should do that for you tonight. Time is wearing on, so let me move to my last point here. And that's the purpose of His power. What's the purpose of power? Number one, it's for world evangelization. Number two, to engage in spiritual warfare. I don't read any place in the book of Acts where they had a program of evangelism. Programs are important. We need programs. But that's not what they used. It was power evangelism. You saw the acts of the apostles and the acts of the disciples. And it was supernatural. The Bible said they went forth everywhere preaching the Lord, working with them, confirming the word, with signs following. Let me just pause long enough to say, preacher, brother, preacher, brother evangelist, those of you that are over me in the Lord, we don't have to result to chicanery. We don't have to result to gadgets. We don't have to result to a circus. You just stand and preach the word of God. And God will confirm his word. see why I'm preaching here tonight. I'm not hoping something's going to happen. I'm looking for something to happen because this is the power of God. The power for healing. The power for deliverance. The power when you preach the word of God.
God. God will confirm the work. Oh, yeah, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It comes not in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. Stand on my word and I will stand by you. Oh, hallelujah. Would you raise your hand and praise the Lord? Some of you here tonight, you feel like, why isn't something more happening in my ministry? Some of you Sunday school teachers, why am I not seeing things happen? Listen, you just keep preaching the book and it's going to happen. You just keep preaching the book and God's going to confirm his word. You don't need to resort to manipulating a crowd. When you preach the gospel, God will do the work. God will perform the miracle. It's the miracle power. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. For world evangelization. Finally, the organist comes. Power, the purpose of this power is to engage in spiritual warfare. Now I want you to listen to me for just a moment here. The struggles that some of you are going through tonight, the struggles that some of you have brought to this camp meeting tonight are not what they appear some of you sitting here, the devil has tried to prey upon your mind. Trying to depress you. Trying to say the church doesn't care about you. You can throw it in now. They'd never know the difference. Others of you, he's preying upon your emotions. Trying to depress you. Trying to tell you that you're not even saved. And many times we don't recognize who's behind that. But you listen to me, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. In prayer, the Lord seemed to speak to me that the reason that some of us do not have the victory, you listen. The reason that some of you young people are finding it so difficult to become established is that you're trying to fight a spiritual battle with a carnal weapon. You can't do it. But I've come tonight to tell you, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the tearing down of the stronghold of Satan. I don't care what is happening in your life how much the devil is trying to come against you. God can liberate you. Play very softly, please. He can liberate you. You have the liberty of the Holy Ghost. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. How many of you sitting here tonight, you'd say, Preacher, I really want to know what it is to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to 
know what it is to experience that day-to-day power in my life. I want to know the exceeding greatness of His power. Let me see your hand. Would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Would you stand with me, please? Everybody standing. Everybody standing. I believe the Lord is ready to do a work. Some of you that have brought those anxieties and cares to this camp meeting, I want to tell you, He's brought you here tonight to set you free. It's not by might. It's not by armies. But it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Some of you preachers, ministers, my fellow ministers, those of you that are over me in the Lord, I believe He wants to touch you with a fresh touch of power tonight. He wants to set you on fire. Teacher, Sunday school teacher, layman, young person, whoever you are, He wants to fill you with the Spirit. I want everybody here under the sound of my voice just now you would say, Preacher, I want to know what it is to preach in the power of the Spirit. I want to know what it is to live in the power of the Spirit. Right now, I want you to step to the nearest aisle, to your left, to your right. And I want you to come and stand right here around the front tonight. I want to know what it is to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Come from where you are. If you don't have the baptism with the Holy Ghost, I believe the Lord can fill you with the Spirit tonight in this service. Come now. Come now in Jesus' name. Come from where you are. That's it. Gather right on in. As close as you can. Come right on in. That's it. Gather right on in, folks. Gather right on in. You're still coming. Still coming. I want to know what it is to live in the power of the Spirit. Secondly, if you need healing for your body, I want you to come as well. If you need a healing touch of the Lord, I want you to get out from where you're standing and come. Gather in as close as you can tonight. He's going to do that work for you. He's going to do that work for you tonight. Call the Messiah. Hallelujah. Thank you. All right. All right. Those of you that have come for prayer, those of you in the congregation, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Would you do it? Would you do it? I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Everybody in the house, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to repeat this prayer right where you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to know what it is to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill me again with your power. Touch me with your fire. Touch me again, dear Lord, so that I can touch others. Touch my church. Deliver us, Lord. The devil's a liar. I receive now the touch of heaven in Jesus' name. All right, I want you to lift your hands now and begin to receive from God. Everybody lifting your hands. Oh, Father, in the
in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Son of God, do your work tonight, dear Lord. In Jesus' name, bring deliverance. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, under the Lord, 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 that work tonight, dear Father, in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, I want to be full of your spirit. I want to be full of your power. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, yes, he's here. He's here. Receive the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, a new touch of power tonight. A new touch of power tonight. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, yes, receive his power tonight. Receive the Holy Ghost. Sit down from heaven. of you here tonight standing you at your seat why don't you take somebody by the hand right now lay holy hands on that person you stand by or sit by tonight and ask God to do the miracle in their life if you need healing tonight receive the healing power of the Lord in Jesus name oh heavenly father the healing power of the Lord tonight in the name of Jesus of Nazareth
that. Peace like a river. Sing it with her, please. scorpions. Oh, he said, over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. When you leave this place tonight, they're going to be leaving in the power of the Spirit. When you drive home tonight, they're going to live in the power of the Spirit. When you get up in the morning, in the power of the Spirit. When you come back tomorrow night, in the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and magnify the Lord tonight. Lift your hands and say praise the Lord. This brings us to the end of this message, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. Be sure to come back often for more great sermons and commercial free Christian music streamed 24 hours a day. If you need someone to pray with you, we have a prayer wall at Power of the Cross Radio website. You can leave your request there and also help others pray for their needs. We also offer live prayer periodically throughout the day as intercessors are available. Just click on the talk icon at the bottom right of any page. If someone is available, you can chat live or leave your message if no one is available. Thank you for joining us today, and may God bless you. Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries. All rights reserved.